Hey, Jim, what you doing? Making a podcast. Want to join me? You bet. Welcome to the Live It Well podcast, where we hope our stories help you better understand yours. Good morning, Jamie. Good morning, Scott. How is your morning going so far? Well, I'm not feeling great, so the energy is low, but mm. here we are. You got like a cold? Yeah, I think so. One and of the kids always brings something. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Like at basically every day of our entire adult lives, at least with kids, somebody's been sick in our family. Like I don't think we go time without it. So tired of it. And then we pass it around, and then we get a new thing, and then we get a new thing. Kind and of you stay sick for like six weeks. I know. I'm the worst. And then you have allergies. It's always something. I do have allergies. And seasonal changes are really hard for me. I think they're hard for everybody, but it's really hard for me. And it just, yeah. We probably need that really expensive air filter that Tana wants us oh to buy. Oh, my gosh. There's always something, Jamie. Something trying to spend our money. So this week, we have gotten one consistent weather theme, Jamie. What has it been? Gross rain. I hate rain. We tried to move to Seattle once. I don't know if we've said this on the podcast, but I would literally be dead. I hate the rain. It's not rained little either. It's rained a lot. Like, it's rained so much that there are mushrooms growing in my yard right now. Like, it is... I think we've got more rain in the last seven days than we got in the last, like, seven months. Year, I that's I read a, a I read like thing in the news that said in the last like five days we've gotten more rain than we have in the last year in Rochester. No. Yes, I did. I just read that. I totally believe it now that you say that. It's been so sucky. Um, so one of the things that has made the rain exceptionally bad is because we have we're forced to be out in it. Uh, so this week we had an away game that was an hour away for Nixon's soccer team, and it was. We knew it was going to rain. This is part of the deal. So we had to drive the hour knowing that by the time we got there, they were going to absolutely have delayed the game. And maybe we weren't even going to have it because lightning is a big deal, obviously. So they delayed the game by an hour and a half. We went to a Mexican restaurant. I had dinner. Mm, small town Mexican restaurant. I know. It was good. I thought mine was good. Was your, yeah. We, did you like it? We shared. It I know, but did fine. you like it? Nah, it was fine. It was fine. Okay, so... We go to the game, and uh, by this point, I am I'm just a little agitated before the game even starts. It has nothing to do with the game. It's just the fact that we drove an hour, and we were trying to waste time, and it's just, I don't know. And so when the game started, like, I'm already kind of, like, on edge. Did you feel that way? You were angry. I, don't I was know. angry. You were angry about where we were eating. You were angry about... I don't know what it was. I, I don't just, know. I was I, just... I tried edge. to get us to go and be social, and you're like, oh, my gosh. Which is so not you. And I don't understand it. There's like these couple situations where you don't want to be social. And it like makes no sense to me. Because everywhere else in your life, all you want to do is talk. It's, so here's the deal. I very much want to be social with people I care about and am in relationship with. And it is a ton of work to be social outside of that. So I will do that work in the church lobby. Or I will do that work for work. But man, just to do it, especially when we don't, I don't, it's just a weird situation anyway, and we're kind of outsiders. I don't know. It's just not for me. Sorry. Yeah. Awkward. <laughs> uh, so we do this, we get to the game, and then it's a pretty tight game, and there's like, it's, it's really physical. It's another Catholic school. So there's like, I feel like there's already like a rivalry, just like two private Catholic schools. And then it's in this, city that Scott works in. So then I have a little like, we, we decided, we chose not to move to that city because we had already bought a house in the city we're in. And so 
I have a little rivalry there. Like, I just don't, I don't love this town. And then there was this crazy thing that happened in the news this last year. So I especially am just like, this town is weird. I don't like it. And I just wanted to beat them. And then the refs were like very clearly for the other team, which it's in their town. It's a small town. It's probably what happens wherever you Aren't play. Are refs like neutral? Do they come from the city they're in? I think they're from the city because oh, I saw them talking yeah. to the people as they left. So, I and soccer is kind of a community. Like It's true. They all, even in our town, like, the kids were like hugging and high fiving. The we we watched another team in town yesterday, two other teams in town yesterday, and they were like hugging and high fiving the other team. I was like, "What is happening here?" Yeah. But they all play together. They like grow up together. They play well, on the they same play in like, traveling teams and all that traveling yes. club teams. Like they are, they just all know each other, and that's how it was. Anyway, it was so, it was a it was a big rivalry. The there. fans were very rowdy, and our fans like kind of rose to their rowdiness. And at one point, Jamie, I believe I yelled to the other fans to shut up. Shut up at the top of his lungs. And the most embarrassing part is that there was a client there in the I stand. don't think she was there yet. He's really hoping she wasn't there. I don't know. I hope not. No promises. Let's hope not. It was, I was really annoyed because, listen, I am like sportsmanship guy. Like, Jamie and I have had this conversation. Usually she's mad at me at games. Enneagram 9. I'm the one yelling and screaming at the fans and the coaches and the... So our coach, our coach earlier had kicked a Gatorade bottle like 100 feet. He was so annoyed. The two coaches are yelling at each other. And I'm like... The, the reason I yelled shut up was these guys over here, the other team's fans, were cheering in a way that was... Not like even booing or anything like that, which I think you like. You don't see that in high school a lot. Like there's not a lot of booing, but they were cheering or yelling to the refs in a way that was very counterproductive to anything. Like it was almost like you ever notice how like there's fans that are cheering for your people to get hurt. Like that's how this felt. It felt like an attack. I just felt like our team was being attacked by these idiot fans who mostly didn't even know what soccer was. I felt like too, (laughs) which irritated me to no end. So I yelled and told them to shut up. That's why the announcer at the beginning of game says the players follow a code of conduct for sportsmanship. And we'd appreciate if the fans would, too. They do. They say that at every game. And, you know, here are the, the really mature parents out there. I don't know. And it wasn't. Anyways, like, it was rough. We ended up tying the game. It was. We were up at the end and they we scored with like a minute three left. Three to two with a minute left. And we, they ended up scoring. We have lots awful. of ties this year. And Jamie hates ties. I hate ties. ties. I understand. Ties are very un-American. Like we, Ugh, the, and up the until worst. recently, you couldn't even tie in a football game. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's stupid. I like ties in hockey because you end up in a shootout in the regular season. That's No, like. that's too much pressure. Oh, it's a lot. I agree. So this week uh, is homecoming week for our big kids, and they do something that we did growing up, which is they have a homecoming court, and then they select a homecoming king and a homecoming queen. And Jamie, you have a theory that has it's been... It's not my theory. Okay, tell us about what, what you think, what you've heard. And I that. just, this is, this whole, this whole conversation is just to say that high school is hard. Man, these kids are up against some crazy things, and they're, they're, they're all the same. Nobody's like, I don't know. It's just, it was like this in my high school. It's like this now. I, I think kids are maturing. Their, you know, brains aren't fully developed. They don't think about the consequences of, of their decisions and choices. And all they really honestly think about is themselves and how yeah. funny, you know, things they think are funny or anyway. So there's this idea that 
they vote in some people on the court that maybe they don't actually necessarily want to be the king or queen, but that I don't know if they want to make fun of this person or I think it's actually like, so, so our friend's son got homecoming king and he's great and we love him and I was rooting for him and I, I would have voted for him if I could have, like, I love him. Okay. So he got homecoming king and then there's this girl who maybe isn't super popular. She, there's just, I don't know. She doesn't really fit the homecoming queen, like prototype, if there is such a thing. And so the word on the street is that they vote her in to give the dude a hard time, essentially. It's just so mean. terrible. It's so mean. It's absolutely terrible. I literally texted my kids a picture of the homecoming king and queen, and I was like, high schoolers are dirty. Yeah, like, it's mean. not, it's not okay. Well, and it's, um, I, we don't know if that's true. That's we're just hoping the rumor. it's not like I'm telling myself it's not true, but Scott's telling himself that she just got the votes. Yeah, it's she okay. just got the votes. It was totally normal. It's great. But I just, we have heard that it has nothing to do with her. We don't know her at all. Have it's no just idea that what is. we have heard from other high school students beyond our, even our own kids. And it's just, and like, even like the ex- exclusivity of high school and it's, Listen, it's hard no matter where you're at in life, no matter what you're doing today. It's hard not to believe what you're going through right now is the most important thing. Absolutely. But man, these kids and the pressure they put on themselves in high school and all the things that are going on, it's just like... Well, I'm actually surprised they do that anymore. I feel like in the world we live in... Yeah, like, I feel like the world we live in, everything's so like... You know, we don't want to single people out or we don't want to, I don't know, like, like there's just this, like, protect people's hearts. And, you know, some people were probably crushed that they didn't get nominated to the homecoming king court and queen court. I don't know. It's crazy. And then there's this whole, like, homecoming groups thing. So you go with groups and, you know, you go with a date and then either you go with their friends or your friends or if you're all friends, whatever. And they're so exclusive about it. like. You know, someone will ask to be in their group and be like, sorry, our group's full. Like, what the heck? Just let the kids go with your group. I know. Seriously. I'm annoyed. It's especially hard for me because of what happened last year at the kids' school. There was a, a young man lost his life to suicide. And I'm like, I feel like they'd be sensitive now to people. Like, everyone's going through something. You have no idea. They yeah. could have already had a bad day. And then you're like, nope, sorry, you can't come in our group. Our group's full and exclusive. I'm like, no, I can't handle it. High school's hard. Well, and then on top of it, like, I think, like, it's easy to think you're cool stuff in high school. I'm just going to be totally honest. If you're in high school, you're not really that cool. Like, you think you are, and I totally get it. But, like, you're going to set foot on a college campus and go, oh, high school wasn't the end of the world. And then you know what's crazy is? College is going to feel like the, the entire world. And then you're going to get out of college. And then other things are going to – it's just, like, this, pro, this, this procession into, like, new things and realizing that the world's a little bigger than you thought than just your school of, you know, 300 high school students. You're coming about not having homecoming anymore, though. You know what's weird? We're basically basically the only team that has cheerleaders anymore. Like, when's the last time you saw visiting cheerleaders? I don't know. I thought most of the teams have cheerleaders. Almost none a lot of, them of the do. small towns don't probably. I and think. all we play is small towns. Yeah, basically. I'm so, sure the big schools. But Mayo do. has. I mean, right. like yeah, some yeah. of the other schools have them. But uh, so, James, we had our counseling last week, and um, you. So I always have like. A, 60% looking forward to counseling, 40% like, ugh. That's just kind of my, my going into it, you know? And uh, you, this week, more than any week I can remember, were more in the ugh kind of camp, and we're not super excited. Tell, let's talk about that a little bit. I, 
I never want to go to counseling. Like, I'm never like, yes, it's counseling day. Like, I can't wait. This is so fun. But some weeks are, like, I have to drag myself there more than other weeks. And this was definitely one of those weeks where I was, like, dragging myself there. I told Scott that he had to come up with whatever we're talking about, which actually, he did a great job, but it was hilarious. Um, Total side note. But um, I just was not looking forward to it. And I think it's just because... I feel like I've been doing a lot of work lately. Like we did some individual counseling, then we this was our group counseling, and then we're leading a marriage group that's doing some counseling, and we happened to be the like guinea pig couple for the first week, and then I was doing some personal counseling. It just felt like a lot. I'm like, okay, I'm sick of telling everyone all my problems. I like, you know, everyone to think I'm perfect, which I'm not, but you know, and so yeah, it was just a struggle. But well, you added the other thing we do is we do this podcast. Which is essentially, it has a lot of that same counseling feel, which is we're transparent about the things we're struggling with. Right. Yeah. So you add all those things together. It totally makes sense. It's just a lot. And so I just was not looking forward to it. And so we got, you know, Scott kind of started out with some like fluff and then we got into some. I don't know if our parenting is fluff, (laughs) but anyway. It definitely wasn't like, you know, the thing that we were supposed to dig into. But we did get there eventually because it's such a great group and. But one of the things that was said during the group, there's a guy in the group, um, love this couple. We like, if we lived in the, you know, anywhere near each other, we'd probably spend time together, hang out with them. They're just, they're really great. Um, but he said, I told them all, I guess I should have shared this. I told them all that I didn't want to be there. I was like, I'm here reluctantly. Don't want to be here. And so they're like, well, what's your apprehension? And you know, we got into that a little bit. And then he said, man, I look forward to counseling. I, I, get here. And he, he was basically like, I just crash land here and I can be honest and real and open up and just like learn some things. And I'm like, Oh, well, good for you. When you said something about really appreciating his honesty in that moment, you're like, I really appreciate, cause they had shared that this week too. And like, I struggle with honesty in some senses because it's, I want to be honest. Like, I want to live a life that's honest. You really appreciate honesty. Like, you value that, and it's, a, it's really a core value for you. But one of the things that's hardest to be is honest with yourself and honest with your spouse. Like, I think it's easier to be honest in other circumstances than in those cases. And so when we sit down, and it's interesting to watch other couples because he is like, he, he always, like, the last couple times they've shared, he's just had a lot of stuff going on before they got to counseling. So, like, when he got there, he had no inhibitions at all, and he just laid it all out on the table. And so I just, I thought that was an interesting thing is for him to see that that way and then you to see that that way, even though you both kind of value that, that honesty part. Yeah, it was really good to just hear that perspective, and I think I just want people out there to understand, like, counseling isn't, so for me, when I go into counseling, I feel like, okay, great. Now everyone's going to tell me everything I've done wrong and everything that, you know, just like all this condemnation and all this, like, to me, it's not freedom. It's, it's like, I don't know. It's not freedom to be myself or freedom to like let go. It's feels like I'm just going to be attacked. And that's and not like, happening. And that's never happened. Yes. But and you actually feel like it the opposite. Like usually it's really supportive and it's really like eye-opening and I understand myself more and I leave with the exact opposite. But I think that's part of my story is just that I'm always like up against like who's going to criticize me next. Yep. And I think that's the hard, that's what makes counseling so hard for me is that 
that's my thought. Like I go in like, okay, you know, there's eight other people here and they're all going to criticize me. And that's literally never happened in story work. It's not probably ever going to happen in story work, but that's how I go into it. And that's just, you know, maybe, I mean, it is, it's my story. It's, it's how it was growing up. Like it just, I was criticized for nearly everything I did. And, um, so that's how I go into it. So it's really hard for me to reframe that, but that I, I'd love to get there someday where I think like, this is where I get to lay it all out and understand myself more. And it, it's a blessing, not a cursing. I like that. So I, ho- I hope that, you know, as we talk about counseling and as we talk about understanding your story and, and just learning more about yourself and that you see it as a, like growth opportunity and a positive thing and not a criticism thing or like we're here to tell you what you should do or how you could be a better person. I think that's just so much of our world and our culture that not only was it my story, but it's also like you need to, what's your goal? What's your, what are you doing next? What are you, how are you going to get better? Like what's, and so it's constantly about like, you're not good enough. Like who you are is not good enough. And and I'm just here to say that, like, even though it's hard for me to see it this way, the truth is, and the truth has been for me, that counseling is a place where you get to learn about yourself, but it's a place where you're fully accepted and fully loved. And it really is a beautiful process, but, it, I mean, it isn't easy. No, and nor should it be. I, it, like, if you're really looking for growth, that's, it's never going to be easy. You use the word like that it feels threatening or condemning, but you've never experienced that in any of the counseling we've done together or even some of the other story work you've done. But when you feel that way ahead of time, you are creating stress in your body. Like you're, oh, yeah. right? I mean, you're feeling that stress. It's almost yeah. like um, I notice it in work sometimes when I anticipate meetings to not go well. And then I'm stressed. And then maybe the meeting goes great. Maybe it doesn't go well, but I like get to live through it twice. You're creating stress in your body when you do this. And then it just spills into everything else. How do you handle, like, what could you do? Or like in an ideal world, what could you do to minimize that stress going into something like that? That's a great question. And I hate when you ask me these questions because I'm still learning. Oh, no, absolutely. How to even process because so much of our trauma and our especially as an anxious person, is held inside our body. People don't see it. I mean, I feel that way a good percentage of my life. There's like an anticipation yes. of, you know, there's an anxious anticipation of something going wrong or... It's never an anxious anticipation of like the greatest thing ever. It's never that. It's like, it's, a, nope. it's an anticipation of something bad happening, which is the state you find yourself in, I would guess most of the time. Yeah, I think for, I mean, I think I've shared before, but it's just finding ways of processing that. And for me, it is counseling and it is, it's going on walks, it's doing yoga, it's reading the Bible, it's praying, it's talking to a friend. I mean, it's a million different things talking to you. It's, um, but I think it's in the processing and the more that we're healing and the, and it's like, I was, we were sharing about this in our small group, our marriage small group that we lead. And this isn't like a, this isn't like a a marathon. Like we don't like, 
or or a sprint, I should say. This isn't like a 100-meter yeah. dash where you're just like running as fast as you can. This is a slow and steady. It probably is more like a marathon. Yep. It's probably more like a it's, – it's like the slowest marathon you've ever run in your entire life. Like the goal is probably that, like that our body can handle the stress of healing. And so it's slow and steady. It's inch by inch. It's like – it's, you just have to take it one step at a time. And it, it doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen quickly. And so I think, and the other thing is, is we've talked about this a few times in our groups and probably on here, but like, this is never over. Yes. This isn't a journey. This is like, our world is broken. And so for today and for the rest of our lives, we're going to battle whatever it is our story told us that we had to battle. And it's an ongoing process and less and less does it affect us in the ways it used to, but it's still there. It's still underlying. It's still a part of who we are and it won't, it's not just going to be gone one day until we're in heaven with Jesus. Well, and one of the things is like, we talked about this in our marriage small group this week, which is the more we work on this, like I would say we've spent more time working on our marriage in 2023 than any year we've ever been married. It's not like it's been the easiest marriage year. In a lot of ways, it's been one of the harder marriage years. But I want to speak to something you just did, you just talked about, which is the journey. And I think sometimes we, I say this all the time because it's one of my favorite quotes. We very much overestimate what we can do in two weeks and we massively underestimate what we can do in 12 months. And it's, I think that's part of the reason the Bible always speaks to journey and process. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us like Hebrews 12 talks about. It doesn't talk about sprints ever. It talks about the journey. It talks about finishing strong. It talks about um, the crown at the end and those kinds of things. And the reward is not now. The reward is in the future. And I feel like sometimes it's easy to look at the Bible and be like, this is just some archaic book that's, you know, thousands of years old and nobody paid attention. And, you know, it's just old parables or it's old, um, like old wives tales or whatever it is. But instead, if you take just a little bit of time to dissect what's happening, the entire journey is pointing you to Jesus so that he can bring you on this journey to be more of the life that you, that you would actually want to live. We talked about generosity last week. The reason those things are important is because it gets you closer to Jesus and on the journey. It's so easy to get caught up in the moment and forget that it is a journey. Absolutely. Yeah, I think in, even in the life of Jesus, like his ministry was, what, three years? Yes, three years. Three years. and so 30 years leading up to those three years, though, as a reminder. Right, and so he did ministry for three years of, so 10% of his life was spent doing his major, like, ministry. And, and then even in the end, when, I mean, he knew the plan all along of why he was here and what his, you know, journey was to be. And even in the end, like, right at the end, he asked God to, yeah, not take to take the cup from yep. him, to not, not let it happen. And so, and he knew what, what was weighing on that. And so I think if we look at our own lives and we're like, God, take this from me. It's, it's not like an injustice that he's not taking it. Yeah. It's, it's so good. It's a journey. He has you on for a purpose and we don't, we're not Jesus. We don't get to know the whole purpose behind our journey here. And someday we will. And someday it'll all make sense. Yeah. But the journey is important, and sometimes it's a long journey, and sometimes it's a short journey, and the purpose is, is you know, in, in God's hands, and we just have to trust that, that he's, he's using it all for his good. Even, even the really horrible hard stuff does get 
you know, worked out in his purposes. It's good. Quote more scripture, Romans 8, 28. So I'm taking a class right now, and I've been doing this for like the last six months, and it is about how to, in, essentially, it's, a, it's, it's about how, be, how to be a Christian financial advisor better. So not just a, a person who is a Christian that is a financial advisor, but really make Christ the center of your practice. And so it's called Kingdom Advising. Is, it's certified Kingdom Advisor. It's this like fancy title you get to put behind your name. But what it really was for me is a way to, I just want to learn and grow. I want it to be a little better. Um, I've been doing this for a long time, and I needed, I wanted the challenge. Um, I wish I would have done this at a little bit of a different time in our life, but I did it now. And you, the, every time you talk about story, and like this has been a journey for you for the last three years or whatever, I'm learning. But so I'm in the middle of this class. I'm in like 19 out of 20 chapters. I'm finishing through this, and they start talking about how to have conversations with your clients, okay? And I'm just going to read through this for a second because I think it's amazing. When it talks about it, discover, this is, this is the time, discover your client's story. Start with the past, move to the present, and go on to the possibilities. One of the things this talks about is steering away from goals because goals create stress. They create expectations. I hate goals. I'm, I, it's I hate funny. goals. So I have really fought against this because financially, the financial world has been pushing towards something called goals-based advice. And I think it's stupid. Now, my firm probably doesn't love that, and every other firm out there probably thinks, but it's not the right way to go. The answer is to talk about possibilities and opportunities. So then it says questions that matter. What is your story? What is your story? I just think it's fascinating. Even in a financial Christian class that I've been taking for the last six months, they fully understand that story is the driver. And I think it's too easy to believe that what you've been through and what you've been challenged by and what has been hard and what is hard is just nothing. And instead, it is everything. It's the journey that you're on. It's the process that you're on. It's the, it's the, the learning and growing and becoming more of who Christ has built you to be. And I just, I, I think it's too easy to think that stuff is all, man, especially hurt and pain is just a waste. And instead, it's something that is being used right now. And it's something that you can dig into and just take some steps in. I love that. That's great. I think story work is the answer to our lives. I mean, I do. I think the Bible, the word of God, the, the Bible is a story. It's a story of God. It's a story. It's his story. And we are a part of it. But like that, if, you know, if there's anything in our world that we should live our lives and center our lives on, it's, it's the word and that's his story. And so if, if that importance of his story is like, should be the center of our lives, then I would imagine that he thinks our story is pretty important too. And, and I, I think you can come from the best of families and still have a story. It's funny. We've, I've been in sessions several times where people have said, I don't have anything. Like I came to that, like from that, like leave it to beaver family. Lo and behold, six weeks in, they're like, Whoa, like I have a story too. It's not, we all have a story. You cannot live on this earth in a fallen world and not have a story. And it's really, really important that we examine it and we understand it and we live out differently because of our understanding. If you are even holding back for a second and you're like, well, I don't really have a story or I'm not quite sure about how this story piece works. What it really is, is it's a vocabulary and it's an opportunity to be known as a human being. That's what it is. It's to be known. Your story is important and it's valuable and there's opportunities for you to learn and grow from it. But don't feel like whatever it is, I've been through too much, I haven't been through enough, whatever that is, you are worth knowing and it is worth you knowing and remembering and walking through what you've been through. 
Amen. Mic drop. All right. With that, uh, Jamie, let's take a quick break. Okay, we're back. And it is time for Snack Attack. Snack Attack. So this is a little different Snack Attack, Jamie, because it's, I mean, sort of a snack, but it's more like a side. So in one of our rushes this week, we ate at Jimmy John's. Was it Sunday, I think? Yes. We had to go homecoming shopping in between church and Bible study. Had no time. So we went to Jimmy John's quick and ate, and they had two new sides. What were they? Potato salad and a pesto bow tie pasta salad. And what did you think of the salads? We loved them. I thought they were great. They were great. It was super like a fun, different thing. I don't know. I just don't expect stuff like that to be super good. So my expectations were low, but I thought they were good. I liked sharing them. So I'll say that because they're not huge. I mean, they're small, but like I'm really picky about amounts of like sauces on my stuff. Sure. So I thought they were a little, well, potato salad was potato salad, but like I thought the pasta salad was a little... Heavy on the dressing? Yeah, a lot yeah. of dressing. Which, of course, places always do that. Right. So, for me, it was like, I, I would eat, like, we shared it, like, thirds or whatever yep. it was. So, I would eat a third of it, probably, and not eat more. But it was delicious. It wasn't the taste. It was just, like, heavy on the... So, if, if you like lots of dressing on your stuff, or yeah, you'll probably love it. Like, you I don't love the pesto, whole thing. but I thought it was good. It was good. I like pesto. And I think the... I just think, like, potato salad... I feel like you have to try hard to scrub potato salad. No. I completely really? disagree. I think potato salad is ruined by most people. Oh. Yeah. There are like only certain people. Like my grandma and my mom make the best potato salad in the world and I, I won't even Jones attempt it. Good. I thought that potato it salad was It was great. Really good. It was really good, oh, actually. Right. It was close. Um, I think our friend Christy Cass has a really great potato salad recipe. I don't know. It's just, I'm there's, I'm just, it's, I'm very picky. I do not like, like go to the store, Jerry's potato salad. Another no. sponsor. Check them off the list. Nope. All right. Anyway. So let's move into the money minute, James. Money minute. So I put something on the calendar weekly going forward, mm. uh, and we are going to have money meetings on Fridays. And can you tell me what you said when I mentioned this? Do you remember? Yeah, I said something about what did I say? I forgot about, <laughs> about the weekend. Do you do you want? Oh, to- I said, are you trying to ruin the weekend? Is that what I said? <laughs> yes. Yes. Why did you think that, Jamie? But then what did I say? I said something else, and you were like, way to correct it from you to me, or me to you, or us, or uh, something. I don't remember what else I said. I said something. Of, I don't remember. I hate, I don't like finances. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, but we need to talk about we it. We do, but I don't want to. I don't, so, it makes everything inside me anxious and cringy. Well, one of the things that happens is I think there's like, there's things you think about our, like that you, Jamie, think about our finances that are true and aren't true. And I think if we could get on the same page, I think it would really help. Super fun. So set up financial meetings with your spouse if you're married or with your financial advisor or whoever you use to help bounce ideas off of. Set up that financial meeting. Yeah, I think just because no matter what, there's one of you who's going to be more engaged in the finances. That's true with all of our clients. That's true with, I mean, virtually everybody I've ever talked to. But it's important that you both are on the same page to a point. So... Anyway, just an encouragement there. So we'll let you know how that goes. That'll probably create Stupid Fight of the Week for next week. Uh, Jamie, PRs this week. Did you have anything you wanted to share, or would you like me to start? I didn't, I didn't think of one. Crap. Okay. Well, you think about it for a second, because I will tell you what my PR was, because uh, I know people have been waiting very patiently for this result. Uh, we did win our next PR, our next doubles match, even though my wife was diligently cheering against me. Uh, and we squeaked it out. Uh, on the last hole. And so now we, Cordy and I are in the championship. 
We are in the doubles match play championship. We also won a doubles match or a doubles tournament earlier this year. It's basically been a summer where we've done amazing, and I'm excited to be in the finals. How excited are you for me? What is the PR there? Uh, that we made it to the finals. Oh, because you never have before? Or? No, we, we've lost in the first round every single year. Oh, okay. There's 64 teams in this thing, and we're out like first. Amazing. And now we're in the final two. Way to go. You don't mean that. What a great PR. You are such a stinker. <laughs> Um, I did remember I did have a PR. It was, oh, okay. it was the one I talked about last week, but this week I've completed my curated closet. Oh, and good. what that means is to anyone who's like, why, what is with this weird fancy word? It just means that like, I'm not willing to say I'm going to have a minimal closet because a minimal closet has like four pairs of shoes and six shirts and eight pairs of pants or four pairs of pants. And I, I can't do that. Um, so I live in Minnesota. We have, you know, four distinct seasons you need all sorts like I was even thinking I have a pair of shoes that I wear when we go to the lake well we don't go to the lake super often so it seems like I don't need them but when we go to the lake I want those shoes what kind of shoes are we talking about right now or like the river like like strap those like ugly Chaco strap on sandals sorry Uh if you love them (laughs) they're just not fashionable to me and so I wouldn't wear them just like with a pair of shorts, okay. but I wear, I want those on when I'm walking around the muck in the river sure. or the lake. So stuff like that, you know, okay. and then you need like snow boots and you need rain boots and you need sandals and you, I mean, it's just it like, it's jiggle. impossible. How would, how does anyone live with four pairs of shoes in Minnesota? That's like an impossibility. Anyways, all that to say, I have a curated closet. I have, I have about a million pieces that I never wear that were just in my closet on Poshmark. I have a set number of pajamas. I have a set number of workout clothes. Like, But then I'm a little more flexible. And then also every season, I make room for a few like trendy new pieces because okay. I can't live without like, it's just not realistic for me. I love clothes. I love fashion, but I also need to get a handle on it. It can't be like spending, you know, buying new clothes every week like I have been doing. Hence the so working on working on my husband's primal question, trying to help him out and stop spending so much. But I've been selling to friends and I've been selling on Poshmark, and I feel pretty good about my closet. I have about ten items that I want to like, kind of fill in the gaps and just like stuff that I, you know, like I want a really nice black T-shirt, simple but like stuff like that that I need to just kind of fill in the gaps. And I'm yeah, so feeling good about it. I'm I'm really really close to. This project's been ongoing in my life. Like, I've been wanting to do this for probably 10 plus years. And you've done some version of this at least 10 times in those 10 plus years. Absolutely. Okay. But we're getting there this time for real. Good for you. Proud of you. Cheering you on. Thanks. Uh, Okay, James. Stupid fight of the week. Stupid fight of the week. I feel like this is going to be a reoccurrence of maybe another fight we had at some point because this is a theme in our marriage. Yeah, guys. You fight about the same thing over and over with your spouse because we're fighting about the same thing. Usually... Money and driving. Money and driving. Is there, like, what's the next thing? Like, what's the third thing? I think you said, we talked about this in our small group. Didn't you say parenting and I said attitude? Oh, yeah, that could be. Yeah, parenting. Yeah. But, yeah. We're I mean, usually on the same page in parenting, except with our youngest. Well, it's Because I'm, I'm, like, overly gracious sometimes. Yes. And you're angry. And I'm, you're overly gracious and I'm angry. We're yes. usually on the opposite page with it's her true. for some weird reason. Well, it's because one of us needs to pull it together. Yeah. It's going to be a problem. <laughs> So, but the, I, so I don't, I just don't think parenting is that high on the list personally, but attitude is just, I'm not Enneagram one guys. I'm critical of myself 10 times more critical of myself than you, but I am also critical of you and every other person in my life. So it's true. 
Sorry. I come by it honestly. I'm so, working on it. I don't know. Come by it honestly is like saying we did the best we can as parents. I know. Like that's the same. I know. It's that's not why okay. I said I'm trying. Yeah, we're, we're, uh, but also I'm critical and I don't know if that's ever going away. It's not, but I, I like that we're at least talking about it because one, like you talked about, the thing you're critical, mo- the thing we have most fights about is money and driving. What happened this week, though? Like, why were you so, I can't even really remember what led up to it, but was I driving too fast? He was driving erratically. 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 Like, wow. So we left our neighborhood and he was, okay, it's like, a, I think it's 40 out there. 45. 35. Where are you 35. 35. It's not 45. See, this is the problem. It 100% you is think- 45. On the road down there, the main road where there's houses, no, it's not. That's 30. Okay, it's 30. Yes. And you just said 45. Yeah, it's 45. I think you're talking about uh, out here. by No. Anyway, it's 30 miles an hour. People's children live there. People's dogs live there. There's a 55 plus area there. Like there's there's a lot of road hazards and things happening. There is. You got to drive slow on that road. You're right. But you you drive 45 because for do. some reason you think it's 45. I know. I know. It feels like it should be. And then be. someone's backing out of their driveway onto the road and you're like whipping around them. Like, no, you slow down and just let the person go. Where are you in you such a hurry? You think me stopping on the road was the right thing to do Absolutely. while somebody's back? You have lost your mind. The, ki- the guy was an idiot, but he shouldn't have backed out while there was a car coming. But at some point they have to back out and there's probably always cars coming. Man. And then we get around the corner, and you're still driving crazy, and you know my primal question, and you know I don't love how you drive. You're very spacey. If you turn the radio on, you go off the road. Like, every time you drive. Would you like to drive more, Jamie? And so, no, because then you're, you'll whine about how car sick you are. I don't want to drive, because I don't want to listen to you critique my driving. <laughs> oh, cute. <laughs> I knew that was coming. So anyway, he's driving erratically, and this this... You this made a comment. Has, it, it comes to a point. You here. made a very specific comment. <laughs> what was my comment? You said, you know, like you're trying to be, like you pretend to be some great Christian. <laughs> That's not what yeah, I said. Yes, it is. <laughs> no. What did you say? I said something like drive like a Christian or no, something. You said, I didn't say. Like you, you said, so you pretend to be some, uh, you, like some Christian, like you pretend to be, is <laughs> what you said. You did too. One hundred percent. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. I did. I think I you're a like, Christian, so I wouldn't tell you you pretend to be one. I know, but you one. certainly implied that maybe I wasn't while I was driving. That was absolutely <laughs> that what you said. That's not what happened. Okay, but the p- whole point here, after that, whatever my words were, they were not that. They were. They were not. <laughs> they were not that. That's how you interpreted oh, okay. them. That's what you heard. Okay. Because then. What did I do? You so childishly, like you do when we're fighting, you go to the opposite extreme. What did I do? So he he goes the exact speed limit. And what a jerk. <laughs> I'm such a jerk. I can't believe I went the exact sets, speed limit for you. Sets the cruise and then like looks at me. No, like, no. Ah. I yeah. had done that for like. 40 minutes before you even noticed. It wasn't no, until we were I on our way home. The you did you not. Did you didn't even notice yes, that we got home. Because then you started laughing. That was on the way home, is the only time you, you noticed it. I noticed it. You did it right in front of the school by our house. Yeah, so be it. So it is what it is. Anyway. So I went the speed limit. I was trying to be kind to your primal question, Jamie. Yeah, you're so great. <laughs> Ew, barf. Roll your eyes at me. Uh, and there you have it, our driving fights. Jamie. You were fantastic today. <laughs> Thanks. Great job. You did great. Can't wait to do it again. See you next week. 
Thanks again for listening in as we unpack our stories. Our prayer is that they give you a greater hope and a glimpse of the God of the impossible. Shout out to Lemon Music Studio for letting us use your incredible song. See you next week.